Hello, my name is Brian Delgado. I'm Joshua Mejia. And I'm Joshua Latona. And we're unemployed film snobs. We're the snobbiest of film lovers. You like film, but we love them. And today, what we wanted to talk about in our first episode for today is, let's see, as of the time of this recording, The Exorcist just came out, and I know we just said that we're the snobbiest of film lovers, but me and Mejia have not seen the original Exorcist, yeah. but he has, <laughs> so I'm going to leave it to him to talk about what he thinks about the original 1974 one, and then... Yeah, we're just gonna leave it from there, and I'm gonna start driving to our destination while we're on the way. Yeah, I guess uh, just to kind of leave that, every every film fan has their blank spots, right? So, like, I just saw The Godfather just a couple weeks ago, but for sure, the I, I, I really wanted to talk about The Exorcist, and I know I kind of brought this up in when we were talking about it earlier in our kind of pre-meetings, but what I was kind of curious about is it doesn't seem to be a movie that one, let alone critically, is, like, doing very well right now, um, at least the new one. Right and uh, the and box office wise is doing like just fine. Like I think it's the definition of fine. <laughs> um, I haven't seen the word flop be used tossed around, and I kind of wanted to kind of like really think about like what is the legacy of The Exorcist? You know, we we've had a lot of comebacks and like like in in sort of Halloween like slashers and stuff like that come back, and it just seems like for me. And I was talking about this with my partner a bit. Is like. Does Gen Z, or even just like people in our age group, at, at, and generally, like, do they care about The Exorcist? Um, I kind of, I, I, I grew up like in the Catholic school, so like The Exorcist kind of became like a, a really synonymous like thing of like to talk about in classes at least once a year, especially during October. <laughs> and it just like, I feel like I have a lot of recognition for it. But it really comes at the through like the lens of people who are so much older and saw it at that time, and so like you guys haven't seen it, and I'm like I, I don't know I kind of want to toss it back and be like, is there a reason you guys haven't had a chance to go watch it yet? At least the original, and like it, what does it mean anything to you in terms of horror and its significance? Um yeah, uh, for 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 me personally, like I kind of have a similar upbringing as you, Latona. You know, I grew up. Through Catholic school, so that, I don't think that played a role in it. I mean, it was somewhat taboo, but mainly for the factor of just like, like even today, like my mom's super scared of it. Wouldn't want to watch it. Like no matter either, no matter the sub, the subject matter, she just is like she thinks it's a scary movie. So I mean, I haven't seen it fully, but of course I've seen like the most famous scenes from it. You know, I've listened to the music of it. I don't know. I would say it's more of like kind of like a small taboo in a way, especially with like how I was brought up. Really quick, and I mean, just because you mentioned, um, you know, that you've seen like the most famous scenes, I'm curious, are most of those scenes like the possession and her and Reagan in the bed? Yeah, yeah, most of those scenes were those, and then as well as the um, a couple of ones from the from the priest, like in the beginning of the film, and mm -hmm. then some from um, I think the mom, uh around the house as like the happenings are going on. Okay, so yeah. you've gotten a good sprinkle. Yeah. I, I was just curious about that because yeah. I feel like most people kind of remember when they think of The Exorcist, it really is that last half hour. And I'll just kind of toss back to you, Brian. Yeah, I mean, so, the, yeah, so I grew up Catholic, uh, being Mexican-American in, in a first, I'm a first generation Mexican, uh, 
child, only child. So yeah, I grew up, I went to sun, like Catholic school. I went to Sunday school. So it was more of like, well, you know, me, uh, maybe I was already kind of fed up with like, I mean, like everything being kind of religion centered on religion. Mm -hmm. So I think a part, like personally, I just never had an interest in watching The Exorcist. But I mean, I'm also the same way with anything supernatural, but which is kind of funny because I do believe in ghosts. So go figure, yeah, I guess. Same. Um, but I just think that it just seems, it just seems, it really seems fictionalized, yeah. fictionalized, mm -hmm. even though, you know, they always say that this is based on a true story. The thing about fiction and the thing about film is that it's always just exaggerated just for the sake of it being a film. So, and yeah, I have seen those clips. So, mm -hmm. and you know, the general consensus, and this is not really my opinion, but like the general consensus that I hear a lot about the original Exorcist is that it's really just like a it's not even about the exorcist like those scenes don't even come till later from yeah. what i hear so i think that's very different compared to the like the not the modern exorcist movies i think they center that more on the horror the fictionalized horror so i just don't think that there's a need to watch it anymore personally so that's just my viewpoint. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, for me, I feel like it's more for for me because I've seen so many clips of it, and you know, it's one of like, like, it's not my opinion about it, but like going through cinematography in school and everything, and having those classes, like we did, like when we went to the horror genre or how to like, you know, more of like, like the uh, low lighting type of stuff, we went to The Exorcist. Like, there's a lot of shots that my cinematography professor showed me from yeah. The Exorcist. Because like it's one of the most at the time it was one of the most well shot horror films. Really? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean the movie is like absolutely gorgeous. Um, it just had like a really great 4K release that um, yeah. you, you know if you're if you're a physical media collector you should I guess 100 percent buy. By the way, so if you guys are not familiar with Joshua Laytona, <laughs> he is a nerd. <laughs> He's literally the reason why, these two are the reason why we created this podcast in the first place, because we always joke about how much of a snob they both are. He's a snob in his own right, but he's a snob because he literally collects everything physically, which I admire, I love it, but he's just a nerd. Hey, <laughs> but anyway. You know it, they, they, I just really appreciate a quality this. I, I, I have a whole thing about streaming, and this could be a whole other episode yeah. one day. You know what's so funny though? I'm a snob in my own way because I wait till things go into streaming, so that's the reason why I haven't watched Oppenheimer yet. That, that's your guilty sin right there. Yeah. That is my guilty sin, but hey, I don't care. Anyway, I digress. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Exorcist. I mean, yeah, I mean, speaking on the new one, too. I mean, I haven't seen the new one. I don't believe yeah. Brian has either. I think Latona has been the only one that's seen it. This, so, I'm so, telling so, you guys, so, he's already seen I saw it. it like, uh, okay, look. I, I, there's a lot to say about that movie. I, and I, I really just wanted to center the discussion because it just does not, it doesn't seem to have a connection with the audience today. I really thought you, you, if you so? told me like, okay, you're bringing back Chris McNeil, um, the mother from the original movie. You're kind of doing this modern day thing. It's directed by David Gordon Green, who I know is a divisive figure in horror oh, already yeah. because of the last two Halloween movies. But you kind of have this team together. You have an original cast member coming back. You have an otherwise solid uh, cast in the rest of that movie. And like, it's like coming out like basically the first week, week of October. And in my mind, that sounds like the recipe for a smash hit. And I think, yeah. I mean, I, this isn't the downplay, like clear, clearly I think the critical reviews have had like a big effect on it. I, I think that's definitely a giant factor. 
But I just have to wonder a little bit, like you guys haven't seen it. I've never like tried to show it to my brothers. And I and it, I maybe that's guilt, another guiltiness on my part for not you know uh, showing that to them. But like how many people are doing that, you know? Like I said, like my parents talk about it, but they never showed it to me. I had to go seek it out. And you know, my grandparents talk about it, but they all talk about it with this it's the scariest movie I've ever yeah. seen. And watching it in 2023, because I, I, I barely watched it for the first time this year. I was like kind of, and you guys were already hinting at it a bit. I was kind of shocked about how like 90 minutes of this movie was just kind of a standard drama. And it's a really yeah. great drama. It, yeah. it totally builds you up for this uh, amazing, exor like the actual exorcism. But I, I was sitting there wondering like, huh, like I, I don't, if you told people this is the scariest movie they've ever seen, and they come watch this and they find it's like a very serious drama about the mother trying to do whatever she can to save her daughter and a lot of that becomes like her them going to the hospital looking at uh, going to go see psychologists and stuff like that like i'm not saying it's not going to connect with a certain like you know audience but like i don't know general like a general audience would really find that in the way that they were excited to go see halloween 2018 and that's kind of what i'm getting at here is a little bit like um, like I said, I spoke to my partner and I, I, I told her, I was like, are your sisters excited? Because they're about 15 and um, 12 or 13. Mm. And they were a little like, well, and she said, they're down to watch it, but like, it's not on the top of their list. And this is where I, I think I can just kind of bring this up is like Five Nights at Freddy's, which comes out in like three weeks, at right the at the end of, the of October, yeah. is already tracking pretty high for what a movie I thought like maybe came a little too late. Mm -hmm. Do you think it, so? Well, just because, like, where the Five Nights at Freddy's, like, you know, the hype was, like, maybe five years ago, right? Sure. And, but it's clear, like, I was wrong. I, like, the hype is still clearly there. And despite, like, there being, like, a lot of knockoffs, like, I don't know if you saw that Nick Cage one, um, uh, Willy's Wonderland. Yeah. yeah. And that came out and was clearly riffing on that. But, like, that had no effect clearly on, like, what's going to probably be the biggest horror movie of the year. So, I don't know. I, I think we could get a little into that about just, like, how Five Nights at Freddy's looks to be kind of the king of horror this year when it's all said and done. And how The Exorcist just really... I I don't know. I just... I don't think it's the audience... It's finding the audience it used to. And I, I wonder a little bit if it's just... If there's, there's a lack of tangibility or if there's a lack of, like, a Michael Myers or Freddy. Like, it doesn't have a face, you know, yeah. necessarily. Like, people remember Reagan's face from that. And they use it a lot. But, like... You know, these are two different girls in this movie. Um, Definitely. You know, like, no one remembers the name Pazuzu, which is the name of the <laughs> demon from the original. Um, like, these aren't things that people think about. So, yeah, like, well, I don't know. Just I think steal it's from a, there. I think it's a different generation, too. Because I think when, 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 when that came out, wasn't there, like, a whole, like, media discourse with, like, paranormal stuff in the time? Like, there was a lot of other content coming out. Like, well, it was a lot. It was a big reactionary yeah. time, especially... Yeah. That's why the, the internet wasn't the thing, so I yeah. feel like that also contributed a lot to. Yeah, so that's that. why. So I feel like that could be a reason because it was more reactionary, you know. Especially it dealt with religion, you know, dealt with you know Christianity, Catholicism. Uh, so I think that was a big thing. To me. That's well, that's how I first found out about it too. I haven't seen it yet, but I've seen The Omen, and like a lot of mm -hmm. a lot of the horror films of that, like the par more paranormal par paranormal horror films of that time of that like time period and stuff 
they're not really like you don't it's not like the ghost or like the demons coming out right away mm-hmm. and there's like a build-up to it it's just a regular drama and i think that's what kind of made, made them scarier was because it was showing everyday life and how it was slowly just infecting itself within everyday life and how like the normal procedures that we go to like you know fulfilling sick or you know have the same type mm-hmm. of symptoms that you know these kids and these these characters in these movies are having we'll go to the doctor too we'll go seek out a therapist we'll go seek out a psychologist etc etc and like if that doesn't work where do you turn to after that like what other experts are there so i think that's probably what the horror lies in was just that like kind of subconscious like psychological like, yeah horror. psychological like oh like this could happen to us like you know like especially since you have like yeah. a certain certain groups have a certain faith about certain things too I think that's what really lies in the most where nowadays and not to say that not many people are religious anymore nowadays but I feel like so everything's just so saturated with, with like with the media and social media nowadays that it's just different yeah and it just works differently now I mean for me I saw the trailer during premiere of Oppenheimer opening night mm-hmm. and my and I think you said there was a little different reaction but my theater we were like and you can see everyone's faces trying to figure out what it was because they, they it, like a friend of mine next to me was like this feels so familiar because the way they did it you know with the exorcist theme song like casually getting like yeah, you know, yeah. they're like teasing you with it teasing you with it and mm-hmm. then finally they, they get into it at the end of it everyone was like like holy shit like whoa like damn mm-hmm. like that looks good like like people were like ex- like just exclaiming the theater for it yeah. but I don't think that was the same reaction no, you had. my reaction was the <laughs> exact opposite I'm I, I I was there Saturday like two o'clock for Oppenheimer at the uh, City Walk, yeah. which is like one of the few IMAX seventy millimeter seventy millimeter theaters we have here in this town. And the reaction was the trailer played, it sounded silent, and then once the the you know the date came up and it was like coming whatever whatever date it's coming, someone shouted out in the crowd, um, you know, boo David Gordon Green. <laughs> and the whole theater laughed and I was like oh this is the vibe like I think this is what people are feeling like I think there's a- well, do, I mean do you think they were just booing the horror film itself as the actual sequel or they were booing David I, Gordon Green as the director of it yeah that's what I was thinking previous not so Halloween movies yeah, yeah I think they I think um, I, I try not to think too much that like the online social reaction is indicative of like what's going on out there, but I, I do think, especially after when I walked out at Halloween, walked out of Halloween Ends, I was like, this is going to be a divisive movie no matter who sees it, because some people are going to go to really expect that movie for some Michael Myers, and that movie do- that movie does not have a lot of Michael, um, and we yeah. don't have to break down like the whole our whole analysis of that movie, and I have I have thoughts about David Gordon Green. I don't think he's as bad as people are putting him to be, but it's very clear now to me that like I think he may have put a nasty taste in some people's mouth I think Halloween maybe I don't think is dead I think some people are acting like it's a dead franchise and it's been beat into a pulp but it's not even the worst the franchise has ever been mm. you know there are worse like Halloween movies in that franchise yeah um, I agree but I, I do think there's a little bit of just like a combination of people don't want to see David Gordon Green at least David Gordon Green horror and the exorcist just doesn't have that cachet like it used to and i and maybe it's just uh, um, I, I i am a I, I would say i'm a pretty good defender of blumhouse mm-hmm. i i think they take a lot of swings but maybe they this just wasn't the right property for them i don't i don't know i think i think also that the marketing just wasn't there either because i saw the trailer twice only in theaters mm-hmm. and i didn't see it till very recently 
like on social media or like just like an ad on streaming on TV. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and then when I talk to like other friends of mine, they're like, "Oh, there's a new Exorcist coming out." Like the, for the for the people who who weren't going to theaters regularly, they didn't know. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that also could play a reason in it. Because I mean, I thought the trailer from the theater was really great, and then when I went to see it the second time with a friend of mine, like she even exclaimed, "Like, oh shit! Like, hmm. wow!" Like that was intense. From the trailer alone, I thought the tra- I personally thought the trailer was really well edited, and like in the few years of trailers, you know, they're all trailers are they aren't the greatest. So I thought it was a really well edited trailer, like really well put together. So I don't know. I was very surprised with the discourse, but then again, it's a whole different time period, and there was no lead up to it. Like I didn't hear, I didn't hear at all they were making a new Exorcist sequel. Like I only found out when I saw the trailer. So I mean. <sighs> I'm a personal victim of seeing a really great trailer and then having the actual final be, product yeah, yeah, no. be like the that, yeah. worst I think thing that ever. Can, that happens to all so, of us. Yeah. yeah. Um, personally, I don't watch trailers for movies. I personally don't. So I, I think it kind of defeats the purpose. I mean, I'd rather just go in blind. I do try to do that with a lot of, especially horror movies. Like, Yes. I like I saw X. I I was like it. Ha- it looks like it has a stacked cast, and I went in blind and found myself. I was surprised. so surprised about the casting for um, that. But I I think what I did want to like, especially I, I would say is as our resident Shutter uh, subscriber, and yes. I, you I think you watch the most horror movies out of all of us. I mean like yes. I would say maybe you have a little bit more of the pulse on like what horror is today. I think, and especially I was thinking about it and just sort of like where we've been and. What, what exactly is like hot right now and I think the rise with the kind of elevated horror right like with Babadook and the witch and Babadook was good Babadook was good um, but like there you know there was this like combo of like you know uh, oh and hereditary right like this yeah. three hit combo of like oh horror can be so much more now yeah and I still can't rewatch hereditary I've only seen it once in theaters but yeah, and like, I still can't rewatch that or even like movies even like the mainstream like because you know I, I think what I realize is that horror can be done... Horror is being done really well in both sides of the of the medium, which is Hollywood, AAA, and then also, like, the indie horror. Right. I mean, I just got done watching VHS 85, which just came out this past Friday, and one of the last segments, uh, the anthologies for that, is the director of Sinister. Oh okay. oh, okay. Wait, so Scott Derrickson... Scott okay. Derrickson directed one of the... One of the, um... One of the, um, anthologies, like, the segments for VHS 85. And I thought to myself, you know, it seems pretty, like, familiar. Like, and then I found out that it's actually kind of canon to the Sinister movies. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... so yeah, again, another... Another low budget, which honestly, like, feels very similar to Believer. Um, you know, uh, the most recent Exorcist, like when they, mm-hmm. now that you bring up Derrickson, and a movie that I think works really well in the modern scape of like, what is horror today? Like, I really enjoy Sinister, and that, now you're th- th- making me definitely think I gotta go do my homework and go watch, you know, the new VHS. Yeah. Which, by the way, no spoilers, it's okay. I, the general consensus is that people like enjoy this one more than VHS 99 and then mm-hmm. 95, I believe, is the other one. The last two that came out, but I honestly think, I mean, there's some good moments for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, it's a good some of some of it kind of a little stereotypical in terms mm-hmm. of the '80s, but it's fine. It's fine. It, it works fine, and I enjoyed it. And yeah, I just I'm curious to see what you guys think if you guys watch it. But um, but the, the fact that you know these type of directors can go from like AAA 
Blockbuster. I keep saying AAA because I'm used to video games being called AAA, but Blockbuster Hollywood mm -hmm. movies. And then there is also the indie. Eight, mm -hmm. I mean, eight. That's the thing. Also, also as well, a twenty-four. Like, well, before I used to think a twenty-four was just a bunch of indie like mm -hmm. movies, but now it's like it's kind of getting into like the mainstream general audiences are just watching these movies now. Before it used to be that you would have to scope out this movie and you would want to watch it. It's because you would want to watch it, but now it's like people are watching these movies without even realizing that it's an a twenty-four movie. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of um, there's it's a lot of thoughts that I'm, ha I'm I have. I don't know if there's anything that comes into mind about what I just said. I mean, um, I guess like more specifically, I was thinking like just like what do you think like the pulse is on horror right now? Like, what do you think everyone's enjoying? Like, what are filmmakers making? Like, what's the brand? Are we like, or have we just like experimental? The way? Yeah, I think experimental I think, horror. I think it's been very experimental. I it's just there's such a range. Like how you said earlier, Brian, that there's Hollywood and there's indie. And then there's a bunch more in between. And there's like a nice pipeline to it yeah. as well, because somebody might somebody might do pretty well uh, in the indie uh, aspect, and then they transition into horror, like uh, you know Hollywood horror, which is fine, and that's great, and, it's, and it works really well. Um, and then there's also like Jordan Peele, yeah, right? right, like The Get Out and The Get Out and the Us movies just came out to Netflix as of the time of this recording, which is great i mean it's another medium it's another like way for people to watch these movies if they, if they haven't done so already but you know comedy even people who did comedy before can do horror pretty well as well which is very distinguishable in a lot of projects like recently too yeah i'm glad you actually just brought up jordan peele because i always yes. i was just at universal studios he's wearing the shirt too by the way i don't know if you can oh, see oh yeah that. it's a nope t-shirt yep. uh nope. from super yakis please give them support um <laughs> But um, no, yeah, I was just there, and I, I forget that Monkey Paw Productions and Jordan Peele like are over at Universal, and it like I like Nope and Us and even even Get Out, obviously, which was yes. like you know in, in talked up talked about in the Oscars, you know, um, all three of those movies are fantastic, and all from the mind of Jordan Peele. Yes, and everything I even that Monkey Paw Productions has done so far, um, like I really enjoyed Candyman uh, from Nia DaCosta, um, and. I, I'm just wondering a little bit, like, you know, just Universal is clearly, I you know, as divisive as they can be with, like, still making the Fast and Furious movies and some more <laughs> schlocky blockbusters, yeah. they have, like, clearly room for directors to grow. I mean, they just did Oppenheimer. They have Jordan Peele there. You know, Blumhouse does low-budget stuff and is willing to take risks. I just feel like to kind of bring this conversation back to center and yes. maybe put a nice little button on it so we can, like, kind of go to our other topics it's just a little bit like maybe the like this is why i say maybe the exorcist just wasn't the right home for or i mean universal wasn't the right home for the exorcist maybe i and mean we bring up yeah, 24 yeah and maybe it just would have been in a little bit better hands with someone who i don't know it's yeah just, yeah i mean there's also like and, and, you know we we discussed this before mm -hmm. um there are is i don't think it's the supernatural like aspect either because talk to me also is, is, is also those, similar yeah. but I, I you know i think that's uh more word of mouth as well yeah like from when i because you you kept talking about yeah. it too and I, I i knew about it but i just never like i haven't bothered well, to watch it until I you mean, i found out about it through 
the yeah, directors, Rock Raka, because I followed okay. him on YouTube, and I've been oh. following him on YouTube since, like, high school. Yeah, and, the, and the, so, oh, also another thing, too, they came from YouTube, like, yeah. these yeah. guys are, yeah, for a talk to me, so. I, I highly suggest you check out their channel, too. Yes. <laughs> they are very yes. funny, but, yeah, no, they, they, they uh, stopped doing YouTube we'll to. to do this to do this film so and they like they're still coming out with youtube videos but it, yeah. was, it was great to see the, the growth because they're they're really great uh, uh creators you know and like they do have potential and that's the beauty about just the media in general it's like everyone who no matter if you start on youtube or social media you know it's storytelling you know storytelling kind of is an umbrella full of a bunch of stuff underneath it so whatever you start off with you can always just grow you yeah. know you can do films you can get to certain points it's just you know, just learn, you know, make mistakes and you keep going yes, with it. Yes, yes. Well, you know, it's it's kind of funny because this is also the same way with our podcast. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of just doing it um, a makeshift way of making sure we do this podcast in a, in, a, in a way we can. Yeah. And I think that's like the beauty of modern technology nowadays is that we're able to, uh, you know, our our own like pocket uh, cameras, which is our phones, our iPhones, we can start recording content. I mean, there's even films in the past uh, that have been done so, but I think even more now with horror, like the you know experimental, everything everything is yeah. experimental because there's way there's other mediums of being able to showcase your work. Yeah. Whether that's YouTube, Vimeo, MySpace, <laughs> or whatever MySpace. it could be, man, it could be anything. Does so it even exist. But like it does actually. <laughs> it does. But but yeah, <laughs> uh, but you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. So I think that's um, I think that's what made I think that's what's making horror branch out, and I think that's why people are more willing to watch horror than they did to you ten, even ten yeah. years ago. Especially, years ago. I think I think you guys are hitting a nail on the head, and I'm glad you brought up talk to me, which is like I said, I have my thoughts about Believer. I don't think it's as bad as people are claiming it is. But if we're if you told me I have you have to pick one possession movie this year, oh, it's yeah. gonna have to be talk to me, yeah. and I think it's. It, it feels more modern. It has like a more unique twist, and it's original. And it's original. It, it's original. But and you know what? Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, and this can—it's actually like pivots us nicely to our next topic. And I, I um, you know, we're talking about like doing things indie and how we're doing stuff makeshift. And I know that what we're gonna talk about next is a bit more of a bigger budget movie than like any horror movie has ever been uh, cost. But like, um, so like, kind of our next topic was just gonna be about the creator, which kind of did like a nice little. Uh, or not nice little, yes. a, a kind of sad flop at the box office. <sighs> and I kind of wanted this to be a nice little easy segue because we were talking about it uh, in our kind of pre-meeting stuff. It's a little bit how the creator was shot on, and I'll kind of, I'm not going to like fill in those details and I'll let you guys in right now, but wasn't shot on any like kind of fancy camera per se. Cinema camera, yeah. And so I, I don't, I know, I, mean, I know you have thoughts with me here, so I'm going to let you. Well, kinda... so the creator was shot mainly as far as i can tell i think maybe 90 percent or just the majority of it was shot on the sony fx3 which if you don't know what that camera is it's like a small little camera like almost the size of a phone like it's tiny yeah it, it, it's a great camera though. it's an actual cinema camera it's part of the sony cinema lineup of cameras so it is a full frame cinema camera but it and i think that's what the i don't know where the, where the discourse kind of originally began from but a lot of people, at least in the film community, are like kind of like cramming about it, where it's like, oh, you know, we shot an FX3, and some people are like, oh, it doesn't matter about the camera. And I agree, it doesn't matter about the camera, because you know, you, you do a lot with even like a Sony a7 III, or you know, lower level. I mean, every camera nowadays kind of shoots 4K, so any low level can get the job done pretty much, as long as you know how to use it properly, and light, and you know, everything else in front of the camera that matters the most. However, I believe that that 
it really makes a difference that the creator was shot on this camera because this camera is only about like maybe what 3k 4k around there. it's cheaper than like your typical yeah, cinema camera you, for sure your typical cinema camera is like an Ari Alexa or yeah. like some type of red giant red, you know yeah. like it, it it's, it's like this unbelievably ten thousand dollar or like eight thousand dollars plus camera so the fact that you know this 3k 4k which is still a pretty penny you know, don't get me wrong, it's still expensive, but it's more doable than getting one of those high-end cameras that, that, you know, Hollywood mainly uses. So I think that's what the biggest thing is, is just that, you know, like, you can, you don't need a 8,000 plus dollar camera to do this stuff anymore. Like, like I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, in the, in, like, in the, not even the years to come, like, very shortly, a uh, $2,000 camera that does 4K and just S-Log. Oh, yeah. It, it gets a Hollywood picture. Like, I would not no, be surprised at that at all. I Yeah. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I, just personally, I mean, coming from, like, a person who mainly does photography, one of the first things I... That was one of the first things I learned was that you can have, like, the most entry-level budget camera, but as long as you know what you're doing in terms of lighting, uh... You know, choices, and choices things like direct, yeah, exactly. Crafting the image, you can you can get it done. I mean, you can even get it done with an iPhone. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. It's all about I'm the not, direction. I, I'm not an iPhone shooter. I don't really agree with it. But what I would say is that you know, iPhones do help out a lot now. You know, and my biggest discourse is like, at least if you're shooting with the iPhone, you know, at least try to learn like the, the camera settings, like you know, the exposure triangle involved in getting a good image. You know, like like at least learn that because I know iPhones can do it automatically, but it, there's always that 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 great way to just practice and you know learn from learn with an iPhone essentially. Yeah. So nowadays, technology has evolved so much that almost anything's possible. I guess that's why, like, I mean, I you know they're saying like the camera shouldn't matter, but also it does. It kind of means the same thing. If uh, now when I'm yeah. like listening to you guys, if I really think about it. Because essentially it's saying like the camera doesn't matter because you can pick up anything. But it does matter because I think this is like a lesson for young filmmakers that you kind of always have to reinforce, like, right? Like there's always going to be like new filmmakers coming up. And I feel like the, that's the thing, right? They get nervous when you, when they're like, well, you need like an eight, ten, twelve thousand dollar camera. Or like you need to rent the, like the highest equipment if you want that movie quality. And we're just saying that's not true. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so, like, like, it's not that it doesn't matter. It's just that, like, we have to remind people that, like, no, no. If, like, the the, the, the the entry level is low. It's just about your skill with it, learning how to use that equipment and getting effectively what you're trying to do. And I'm sure the creator still has, like, a bunch of other things to make that film look as pretty yeah. as it does. Oh, yeah, of definitely. Course, yeah. But, that, but that's what happens when, you know, you have the budget and someone's willing to... Uh, give you a chance a yeah. shot at it and I think the creator I haven't seen it but I think the creator does a really good job showcasing that however too bad it's Hollywood and because the box office is not really great they might not give it another shot but I mean trust me man once once something does well in the box office even if it's recorded on an, on an iPhone <laughs> I mean they're, they're gonna give it a shot they're gonna give it a chance well I mean technically it has already because Steven yeah. Soderbergh He's done. He's already done movies with an iPhone. Oh yeah, yeah there was right. an indie. I, I remember I saw that on Netflix. Um, Tangerine. Tangerine. That was Tangerine. Uh, Sean Baker, I think, the guy who did um, uh, Lone Vloom to Flo, the Defoe in Florida. Oh, Florida Project. Yeah, Florida Project. Florida. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so, like, I guess it's just, like, I, I, th- I thought this conversation would be just fun to just remind people, like, you know, the crate, like, I know the crater is, like, an 80, 90 million dollar movie, but, like, there's equipment being used in it that, like, people can just go Somewhat and buy used, at Best yeah. Buy, right? Like, oh, no, yeah. A camera store. <laughs> a camera store, but, like, you know, store. like, if it's not something that you can't, like, just look out for yeah, it's not it's not impossible it's not like impossibly unattainable mm-hmm. like you know like they use these ronins you know these ronin gimbals with the sony fx3 those are pretty easily rentable like at like if you if you save or you know build enough funding you can easily get some of the smaller rigs they had yeah, yeah. so i mean I, I i didn't think this conversation was going to go too long but i just thought that it was worth talking about because, the, you know, the crater Definitely. looks fantastic. I mean, we've seen the trailers, a lot of impressive shots, and it looks better than like stuff in like current day Marvel movies. Um, you know, like <laughs> no, it really does. Yeah, I, well, no, no, I know, I know, I know. That's why I'm yeah. laughing. I mean, that's what I'm kind of like. Just yeah, like, like it's you know, there's some like don't get me wrong. Like, I think there's like some Marvel movies like Guardians and Black Panther that look really well shot. Yeah. But like, there's the craters. Like it, it looks fantastic there, and they they already have like clearly an eye because there's a lot of great shot composition. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, it, it was just something I thought was worth bringing up or, well, or talking about I th- for that they, reason. I, I think they did. I think for the crater, they had two cinematographers. Uh, I forgot the main one's name, but then the the one that they also one the other one that they had. Uh, I don't know if it was like fully credited as cinematographers. I haven't seen it yet. I've only seen band, like interviews and stuff and behind the scenes footage. But it was. Um, Greg Fraser, the guy who did Dune and the Batman. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, those, yeah. again, gorgeous-looking movies. I believe, at least. I believe. <laughs> like, arguably, the Batman yeah. might be the best shot superhero movie. Yeah, the Batman was pretty gorgeous. Yeah. It's pretty gorgeous The Batman's movie. great. I mean, I don't... It didn't get nominated for anything. No. Not oh, much. Yeah. It, 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 I feel I can't remember currently if it had, it had a couple yeah. nominations, but That's it is a gorgeous-looking movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, just, I just thought that was, it was just fun to bring that up. Um, and definitely, I knew you guys, like, knew enough about the camera stuff here to, like, get into that. Um, and I just thought this could be, like, a good little, just as we kind of start rounding out our episode and we arrive to our destination. We have. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's still Halloween season, um, and instead of just, like, you know, talking about, like, oh, like, what is it that was really good this year, which we, you know, we did in a demo that you know may, may or may yeah, not see the yeah. light of day one day um i just thought maybe like we could just kind of throw some recommendations out and some of our like our real personal favorite like halloween movies like what's like specifically the ones that you throw on during this season um so like i don't know brian i know you're like yeah. again the resident like horror guy for sure <laughs> so like if you just have some like throw throw some out there so my favorite movies to watch while during halloween mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Don't want to don't want me to interrupt, but do I park here? Yes, you can. Okay. Well, let's see. My favorite that comes to mind is Hell House LLC, mm-hmm. and that is a I'm a sucker for found footage. So I mean, that is definitely one of my favorite movies to rewatch. Actually, it's one of it's one of those movies where I like to. Uh, rewatch it with somebody if they um, never seen it because I love to see their reaction. Mm-hmm. It's simple. It's basically just about um, a documentary where people are trying to figure out why on opening day of a haunted house, haunted house, mm-hmm. right? A haunted maze, kind of like Universal Horror Nights and things like that. 
why uh, 14, 15 people died that night. And it, it's like a lead up to it. And then you kind of see what's happening, but it's also left to the, you know, up, up for interpretation as to what happened. So it's mysterious and it's great and I love it. Um, that's the first one that comes into mind. Train of Busan is one good, good one too. Yeah, uh, you? For, uh, for me, I would say, I have a few, uh, technically a few. Uh, one that comes to mind first is Halloween, the original. It's always a great one to just kind of toss on, even as even like even as a, like, kind of like a background movie, just to watch, that's great. For more of like a fall season, like more fall slash Halloween season, um, for, for some reason, I've been watching Harry Potter a lot. Mm. that's not horror at all. I mean, there's some horror aspects towards the well, end of it. It does give but, some like fall vibes. Yeah, but it's more for like the fall vibes of it. Um, so for fall vibes that way, but for Halloween, Halloween, <laughs> the movie, the original, yeah. that, that's a pretty, always a pretty classic to toss on. Yeah, I think uh, you definitely took one of mine. Halloween 1978 <laughs> is always a classic. Um, but I think I think for me personally, this was one that like it's I, I saw it on Netflix all those years ago. Um, was just the original Trick or Treat, which I took you guys to see for the first time. That was great, yeah. actually. Yeah, that's that's another good one. Yeah. I, I'm actually glad you brought that up. Yeah, and that's just that that film means a lot to me. That when I was like kind of like in middle school and I saw that movie for the first time, it truly felt like a piece of horror that I I really enjoyed. You know, like I didn't grow up on horror movies a lot. So it just felt like the perfect choice. Mm -hmm. um, and I love its sort of anthology style. I love the short little stories. Um, by the way, you can just park anywhere. Yeah. Um, I love the short little stories. Um, I show it to like, I love to show it to new people every year. Mm -hmm. And I find that they're always so surprised how much they enjoyed it. Um, my partner doesn't love horror movies, <sighs> but mm, it was sucks. one that she really enjoyed. Trick and, or treat? Yeah, and she loves to rewatch it with me now every year. And it, I just feel like that's my personal pick. Um, again, and this is, a, a, you know, it's divisive just on purely, like, is it a Christmas movie or is it a <laughs> Halloween movie? But The Nightmare Before Christmas was also formative for me. Yeah. Um, it's a great musical. The animation's great. Uh, can't forget that it's Henry Selleck that yes. directed it. Yeah. Um, it just clearly brings such a unique style and love to those characters and why it's such a longstanding, like, hot topic, <laughs> god kids. And, <laughs> Um, you know all that jazz. I mean, speaking of animation horror films too, this is be a, this is very old, more kid. But if you guys remember it, um, what's the haunted house? I think. Haunted oh, mansion. Monster haunted, house. No monster house. There you go. Monster, monster house. house. Monster. monster house. That that was a good one. That's that's a good one. Toss that one came out like in 05, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Actually, never that, seen that, it. That, it has an incredible no. aesthetic. Yeah. Like I do. It has like a perfect. It, it, this goes into my theory that I think kids should be scared a little bit more. <laughs> um, just because, like, you know, you get used to it and then you grow up and you become horror heads like us. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that's a that's a great one, too. Don't be like me, yeah, kids. No, Monster House. I can't put this in Haunted House. But that's why I have you. No, that's, the, that's the, the backup. House. The backup. I have the, the snob IMDb right here in my brain. Yeah. I'm the least snobbiest of these snobs. Yeah. I don't know. That yeah. sounds pretty snobby coming from you. Yeah. Well, that's why we're called the unemployed film snobs. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, any uh, any last uh, thoughts about what we talked about nice. now that we're parked? Thanks for joining us. Yes. Uh, this was our first episode, so I hope it, it's coming out okay. Yeah, I hope it went well. There's a lot of, uh, maybe we'll share some BTS content of our struggle. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I was in the beginning, you know, it yeah. all, with, with media nowadays and technology, it all grows, you know. So that was our show for today, guys. I, appreci I appreciate you tuning in. And if you have any thoughts, please comment down below. 
and uh, make sure you subscribe and uh, we'll be coming out with these episodes uh, pretty much every week so on a, yeah I think Tuesday Wednesday basis right? uh, we don't know yet those, yeah. stay, yeah. Tuned. stay tuned stay tuned for that uh, but once we follow once our social media uh, follow our what's our unemployed film stops follow us on TikTok YouTube and Instagram. we're gonna be on Instagram okay so that was our show appreciated it you guys have a good one this take is, care this has been the unemployed film snobs I'm Brian I'm Joshua Mejia and I'm Joshua Latona and and I'll see you later snobs <laughs> bye bye